It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. A top health expert questions the evacuation of residents from a shut-in housing block over COVID-19. A taxi driver will be summoned to court in a private prosecution case linked to the anti-government protests. And new U.S. curbs targeting Chinese tech firms take effect. A government expert advisor on COVID-19, David Hoyer, says the authorities should have told residents of a Shatin public housing estate to stay where they were. Earlier this week, residents at Lekun Estate were seen packing their bags and leaving before officials evacuated about 100 of them yesterday when another person came down with the coronavirus. Damon Pang reports. Seven of the ten patients live in Lacuna State. Two others, who are colleagues of the first patient, have the virus along with an ambulance worker. David Hoi, who is from the Chinese University, says he agrees that residents shouldn't have left the estate and they might spread the virus. Speaking on an RTHK program, the professor said he doesn't think it was the block's sewage pipes that were responsible for the infections. He noted that lower floor patients, instead of those on higher floors, were found to have been infected first. A Shatin district councillor in Lekyun, Jimmy Sham, said many parents whose children go to schools in the area were hoping that the school suspension would continue. He said they were worried about a community outbreak. He also told RTHK that residents in Lekyun were worried about staying at home as they didn't think sufficient measures have been put in place to ensure their safety. Hong Kong today reported three more imported COVID-19 cases involving two women and an eight-year-old girl who have visited India and the UK during the incubation period. Health authorities are also investigating a case involving a 68-year-old man who arrived from Canada yesterday and claimed to have tested positive there. Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy says he's yet to receive the green light to push ahead with a private prosecution of a po- police officer who shot a student in Sai Wan Ho during the anti-government protests in November. He did say after a closed-door hearing at the Eastern Court that a magistrate has decided to summon a driver whose taxi is believed to have ploughed into a group of protesters in Sham Shui Po last year, setting the ball rolling in that private prosecution case. The judge examined uh, all the charges and all the elements to the charges in, with details. So uh, he's convinced that the, there's prima facie evidence. That means evidence on the surface that uh, dangerous driving uh, can be established. That's why uh, he ordered the summon to be issued. The head of the Hong Kong Football Association, Poi Kwang Kei, says he hopes the newly passed national anthem bill would deter people from booing the anthem again at future matches, saying politics should stay out of the pitches. Mr Poi also says the Football Association may blacklist people who repeatedly disturb matches. He's urged people not to break the law. New U.S. trade restrictions have come into effect, targeting several dozen Chinese technology firms and institutions. They cover sales of American goods and some items made abroad with U.S. technology. The BBC's Robin Brandt reports. The Trump administration continues to target China's needs to use some of America's most desired high-tech components. 33 Chinese firms and institutions have been named. Nine are accused of complicity in human rights abuses against Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang. The U.S. says the others on the list have acted against U.S. foreign or security policy. The Chinese telecoms giant Huawei has been the most notable target of measures like this. Beijing says Facebook unfairly targeted its biggest media outlets after the social networking site began attaching disclaimers to pages run by the country's state-controlled news organisations. 
Pages managed by Xinhua News Agency and Global Times are now labelled China state-controlled media. Russian state broadcaster RT is similarly targeted. Facebook has been under fire for failing to stem foreign interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Responding to the move, the foreign ministry in Beijing accused the firm of selective enforcement. A former Swedish ambassador to Beijing has gone on trial in Stockholm, accused of having unauthorized negotiations to gain the release of a Chinese-born Swedish citizen. Anna Lindstedt is said to have arranged a meeting with two Chinese businessmen in 2019 to get Guaymin Hai freed in return for Sweden seizing. Ceasing to, ceasing to publicize the case, Mr. Gray had published books in Hong Kong about Chinese political leaders. He'd been sentenced to ten years in prison in China for illegally providing intelligence abroad. You're listening to RTHK. The time's five minutes past eleven. Tree expert Jim Chi Yong says Hong Kong still doesn't have enough inspectors to ensure tree safety. The research chair, professor of geography and environmental science at the Education University, says the government's tree management office could do more. His comments came after three passers-by were hurt by falling tree branches in Nauchi One. It has tied a lot to、um, expand the、uh, tree inspection work to various、uh, districts and、um, and try to train people to、uh, conduct tree inspection. Unfortunately, the process、uh, is a bit slow, and we are not training sufficient,、uh, highly qualified and experienced.、Uh, Tree inspectors, and and some of them may not be qualified or may not have sufficient knowledge or experience to、uh, sort of um、uh, spot the、uh, weaknesses or defects in the trees. A government proposal to provide 1.4 billion dollars of interest-free loans to four international schools will be vetted by lawmakers at the LegCo Finance Committee. Lawmakers at the Education Panel earlier rejected the plan, which the government said is to help the schools boost their cash flow amid the coronavirus pandemic. But they gave their approval this time after officials said they're looking at how to monitor school fees and debentures sold by the schools. Civic Party lawmaker Jeremy Tan says using public money to help these schools wouldn't be fair if prices remain out of reach for many families. The EDB should monitor the level of the school fees, which they do, but they don't look at the debenture or the levy, which is a loophole. The international school can basically, you know, increase to whatever level that they want, as long as you know the parents are willing to pay, which is unfair. To Malaysia, where a verdict will be handed down on July the 28th in the corruption trial of former Prime Minister Najib Razak. His lawyers said at the close of the trial today that he was victimised by rogue bankers and should be acquitted in connection with the looting of the state investment fund 1MDB. He faces years in prison if convicted. In Pakistan, the death of an eight-year-old maid, allegedly at the hands of her employers, has shocked the country. A businessman and his wife are suspected of beating her to death after she inadvertently opened a cage to feed the couple's parrots, and the birds flew away. She had been employed for about 150 Hong Kong dollars a month in Rawalpindi. The couple are in police custody. The case has drawn condemnation on social media, with ordinary citizens, politicians, and human rights activists demanding justice for. The victim. 
Brazil has now passed, surpassed Italy to become the country with the third highest number of deaths from coronavirus after the US and Britain. The health ministry said more than 34,000 Brazilians had died of the virus. But Brazil will now test an experimental vaccine developed at Oxford University. Denise Misne heads the Le Mans Foundation, which has part-funded the trial. It's important to organize these trials in places where the virus is spreading. So Brazil is now a great location to do this. Brazil also has the technical expertise at the local universities that are involved with the trial to do it properly. The country was able to move fast. The federal government gave a fast approval. So it's encouraging to be able to test it here where there is a larger probability of getting good results. France says it has succeeded in getting the coronavirus pandemic under control. The head of the government's scientific advisory council, Jean-Francois Delfrassi, says the virus was still in circulation in some regions, but even this has slowed down. The BBC's Hugh Schofield reports from Paris. The French virus figures continue to move in the right direction. On Thursday, only 44 deaths in hospital were reported, and Professor Delfrasi said there were now only about 1,000 new cases of COVID-19 being reported every day. That compares with 80,000 daily cases back in March. France began coming out of lockdown nearly four weeks ago, and this week the last restrictions on movement within the country were lifted. Professor Delfrasi said the most likely scenario was that the epidemic would remain now with in manageable limits, but only if people continue to respect the new behavioural norms. The American economy unexpectedly added 2.5 million jobs last month amid the coronavirus outbreak, and the unemployment rate has eased slightly to 13.3%. The BBC's Samira Hussain reports from New York. Surprising most economists, the US labour market showed signs of improvement. Instead of shedding jobs in the month of May, the American economy added two and a half million jobs. It comes as most U.S. states have started rolling back some of the tough measures put in place to control the spread of the coronavirus. As businesses start reopening, firms are beginning to rehire their employees. Many of the employment games came in the leisure and hospitality sectors, construction, education and retail trade. Nevertheless, an unemployment rate of 13.3% is still staggeringly high. Just three months ago, the monthly unemployment rate in the United States was 3.5%, a 50-year low. Last month was the hottest May on record globally, according to the climate change service Copernicus. Temperatures in Siberia were 10 degrees above average. Here's the BBC's Roger Harabin. Copernicus is funded by the European Commission and informed by millions of temperature readings worldwide. It concludes that May was 0.63 degrees warmer than the long-term average. Readings most above average were in Alaska, Antarctica and Siberia, which has suffered huge wildfires. The results worry scientists monitoring long-term temperatures, but don't surprise them as CO2 emissions remorselessly heat the planet. The real surprise recently was in the UK, when in extreme wet February, somersaulted to a record sunny May. This was not predicted at all. Sports now, under a revised English Premier League fixture list, Aston Villa will host Sheffield United and Manchester City take on Arsenal when action resumes on June the 17th. League leaders Liverpool will resume their quest for a t first top-flight title in 30 years at Merseyside rivals Everton on the 21st. The Reds are 25 points clear at the top and two wins away from the title. 
Football in England has been suspended since the middle of March because of COVID-19. The NBA is set to restart with all remaining matches at Disney World in Florida from July the 31st. Eight teams have missed out because they had little chance of reaching the playoffs. Here's the BBC's Alex Capstick. It was the first major North American sports league to shut down in response to the coronavirus pandemic. But now, after weeks of negotiations between players, owners and NBA officials, there's an agreed plan to get the show back on the road. 22 of the 30 teams will assemble in a sprawling sports complex located on the edge of the resort. Hotels on the site will provide temporary homes for players and staff. There's a tentative start date of the end of July and there will be no fans, but the news will be welcomed by millions of basketball followers and not just those in the United States who have been craving for the return of their favourite sport. The NBA's return means Vince Carter's career is officially over. The 43-year-old superstar said last summer that he would retire at the end of this season. His current team, the Atlanta Hawks, failed to qualify for the 22-team NBA restart. Adam Jung looks back on Carter's career. He had many nicknames, Vinsanity, Air Canada, Half Man, Half Amazing. Vince Carter earned these titles as a rising superstar of the Toronto Raptors in the late 90s when he was compared to Michael Jordan, and there were lots of parallels at that time. He was a first-round pick out of North Carolina, same as Jordan. While in their prime, they both provided slam-dunk highlights every night they played and made a habit of scoring 40 points per game. But that's where the comparison ends. Knee problems that started in 2001 forced Carter to change his playing style in order to prolong his career, and it damaged his relationship with the fans who felt he wasn't trying hard enough. The Raptors traded Carter to New Jersey in 2004, and his status went from that of a superstar to a journeyman. Carter's best years were in Toronto, and many fans there now look back with fond memories. I think last year year's NBA title gave Toronto fans more perspective on the team's journey as well as Carter's contributions to basketball in Canada. The teenage American tennis star Coco Goff has told protesters in Florida that people should use their platforms and their voices to speak out against discrimination. After the death of George Floyd in Minnesota, Goff spoke out at a protest in her hometown in Florida. This has been going on for years. This is not just about George Floyd. This is about Trayvon Martin. This is about Eric Garner. This is about Breonna Taylor. This is about stuff that's been happening. I, I was eight years old when Trayvon Martin was killed. So why am I here at 16 still demanding change? And it breaks my heart. A reminder of our top stories tonight, a top health expert questions the evacuation of residents from a shut-in housing block over COVID-19. A taxi driver will be summoned to court in a private prosecution case linked to the anti-government protests and new US curbs targeting Chinese tech firms take effect. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Three passers-by have been hurt by falling tree branches in Nauchi One. The two men and one woman were sent for medical treatment. The incident put tree safety under the spotlight as the rainy season approaches. Jim Gould asked Jim Chi Young, research chair professor of geography and environmental science at the Education University, what could have been the possible cause of the collapse. Yeah, the whole tree collapsed onto the road, and I, I have uh, inspected some photographs. Um, 
uh, taken by the media, and uh, I think the main cause uh, should be the uh, rather advanced decay at the base of the trunk. And because of, because of this decay, the um, mechanical strength of the trunk has been drastically reduced to such an extent that the tree can no longer hold itself. So it it broke off and then it fell onto the road and hurt three people. Can we expect that many other trees would be in a similar condition? Now, this tree has been uh, hurt mainly because of the slope stabilization work. Uh, in the process, uh, they uh, remove the uh, undergrowth vegetation and ground vegetation and then leave a few trees here and there. And then they heavily compact the soil and seal the, the slope surface with uh, a, a shortcrete, a kind of uh, concrete solution. And as a result, the uh, tree roots uh, were very seriously injured and new roots cannot grow out into the highly compacted soil. And therefore, the trees are destined to, uh, for uh, rather long and agonizing decline and eventually leading to either collapse or death. Now, the government's tree management office was set up 10 years ago uh, to coordinate uh, uh, tree management across different departments. What, what is your assessment of its effectiveness? Um, it has tried a lot to um, extend the uh, tree inspection work to various uh, districts and, um, and try to train people to uh, conduct tree inspection. Unfortunately, the process uh, is a bit slow and we are not training sufficient uh, highly qualified and experienced uh, tree inspectors and, and some of them may not be qualified or may not have sufficient knowledge or experience to uh, sort of um, uh, spot the uh, weaknesses or defects in the trees. So if they, you send them out to inspect the trees, they may omit some of the rather uh, evident symptoms of uh, disease or, so, or decay and therefore uh, some trees may, def, uh, may miss the chance to be uh, repaired or to be uh, corrected. I mean, it sounds like in this case that the slope work uh, should have been done differently or the tree should have been cut down to ensure public safety. What do you think? I think the slope work needs some kind of fundamental change in methods. And they, if they were to uh, keep some trees on the uh, engineered and stabilized slopes, they have to uh, develop an alternative method to make sure that the slope can be rendered safe, but the tree should also be rendered safe. Right now, they have uh, been able to stabilize the slope, but then the process uh, uh, is hurting the tree, and therefore the tree become unstable. So they need to develop a method that is win-win. In other words, uh, both the slope and the tree should be stabilized. Okay. And, uh, regarding the tree, and since it is situated quite close to the pavement, I think it should be um, more vigorously uh, inspected and taken care of to reduce the risk. A leading local environmentalist says the coronavirus pandemic is the most serious warning the earth has given human beings and the planet cannot emerge from this crisis by returning to business as usual. Edwin Lau, executive director of the Green Earth, says the over-emission of greenhouse gases, the pollution pumped into our marine environments and the raising of forests cannot continue. Speaking on World Environment Day, he told Richard Pine that the coronavirus was feedback from the earth and the past few months provide a blueprint for how 
how we can move forward. The earth gives human beings the appropriate feedback we deserve. So if we treat the earth nicely, do not harm the earth, the earth will give us very nice feedback. So give us clean air, blue skies, Greek oceans uh, without pollution, without trash, and all the pieces, the animals, the birds, and coming back to live peacefully and, and happily. So this feedback is, is to be clear to everyone that if we are treating the earth nicely, we all deserve to have a, a healthy environment. But if we do the other way around, the earth will also give us a feedback like the continuous building up of the uh, atmospheric temperature, getting hotter and hotter every year. So it really depends on how we human beings act our daily lives. And if we do not treat the Earth as our good friends, then the nature will continue giving us very disastrous situations, such as this one, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that that has made all world, I would say, total idling for for not just a day or two, it's for several months. This is the severe challenges or crisis uh, human beings is facing right now. Mm. What can people in Hong Kong do, regular citizens as well as authorities, that not only gets the world turning again and respects nature, but doesn't cost people their jobs and their livelihood? Broadly speaking, our senior government officials, I suppose all of them know how to say sustainable development. But this term is not just for them to say nicely when facing the media or facing any public, but they have to put this term sustainable development into the government policies, all policies, whether it is economic policy or development policies, all have to be integrated environmental, social aspect into the economic situation. So both direction is sustainable development. The down to details is really such as um, how we can reduce our build up of the atmospheric carbon dioxide concentration, how to uh, conserve energy, how to use clean and renewable energy to cut down the emissions, how to avoid generating waste in the first place. Recycling is, is, is only part of the solution. We cannot allow waste to be keep generating and just do recycling, and it is not a total solution. We should try to opt for using the reusable mass instead of the uh, single-use one for most of our time. And when, wherever we go out for, say, buying takeaways, bring your own food box containers and use your own reusable calories. So by doing that, this is our individual uh, behavior or support from different business. Uh, we have to put environmental consideration very seriously when consider doing business, doing our own activities, uh, any big projects. 
As we learned this week, Madeleine McCann, the British girl who disappeared in 2007 in Portugal, is assumed to be dead, according to German prosecutors. A 43-year-old German man who media are calling Christian B, but police and prosecutors have not revealed his name, is a suspect. He is serving a seven-year prison sentence for raping a 72-year-old widow in the Algarve region of Portugal, but is also due for parole in the next few days. He's believed to have been in the area where Madeleine, aged three, was last seen while on holiday in Portugal. Anna-Marie Evans asked our UK correspondent, Gavin Gray, if the latest development was a major breakthrough. Yes, that's right, Anne-Marie. I think it has, without doubt, and I think, uh, therefore, must give the parents a glimmer of hope. I mean, I know that sounds uh, strange when you've just said that the German police are calling it a murder. The British police, incidentally, are still saying it's a missing person, and uh, they're saying until a body is found, that is the way it will remain. Um, the latest breakthrough appears to have being cut rather fine because one of the chief suspects that they have that this particular line of inquiry has led to um, a, a German man who is currently in prison is reported to be ready for parole this weekend. In other words, would be allowed out of prison. Uh, and uh, therefore, I think uh, the uh, various calls for people to come forward with new evidence or lines of inquiry, which has received more than 200 here in the UK, this particular helpline in just 24 hours, it is a very urgent matter. Indeed. And, uh, but what's also interesting is that, had, you know, the fact that he may have been in that area at the time, it seems odd that he hasn't been sort of a suspect before. Yes, I think um, that uh, there are reports he was questioned by the Portuguese police and he was in their initial trawl of a uh, couple of hundred main suspects, but uh, he then didn't make, as it were, a shorter list. And now we don't know why that happened. Um, we do know that since then uh, he was imprisoned. He is known to be a paedophile and a sex offender uh, and also is currently serving a prison sentence for raping a 72-year-old American in Prior Deluge. Uh, and uh, therefore, all these things are making him of huge interest to the British police and their investigation, particularly as it is reported, but not confirmed, that he spoke to a friend uh, and basically said that he knew what had happened to Madeleine McCann. Uh, incidentally, now, the German press this morning uh, are also reporting that he could be linked to a five-year-old girl in his native country, Germany, eight years after Madeleine disappeared. Indeed, this little girl is known as the German Madeleine, McC Madeleine McCann, uh, and uh, she disappeared while out collecting wood uh, west of Berlin. Inge Gehrig uh, was uh, uh, disappeared just about 60 kilometers uh, from where the suspect lived. Um, and uh, yes, the police did investigate him at the time for that as well. But again, uh, he didn't make a shortlist of the suspects for that. I mean, the Madeleine and Cam case, I mean, it's had so many different twists. I mean, at one point, the parents were suspects. Um, there was also, um, it was a British man who I think was in the tourism industry. And in fact, media had to pay him out £600,000 for, well, ostensibly ruining his life. Um, so now, I mean, does that make the police, do you think, uh, these days more careful? Or do you think that they're, they're just saying, right, well, you know, more than 10 years on, this this case is still very much alive. I don't think the police are uh, trying to be more careful. I think 
the relations between the British police and the Portuguese police have never been uh, great, to be honest. Uh, initially, the Portuguese investigation didn't turn up anything. They were closing the investigation. And then David Cameron pledged millions of pounds to a new investigation. Um, so I don't think the police necessarily will be more careful. I think that the media, incidentally, may well be, because it was in those early days when the disappearance was still relatively fresh. People didn't know what had happened. The police announced they were questioning certain people, or the media found out they were questioning certain people and release more details than uh, the police did. And I think that, that what, what the media found much easier at the time, of course, was that it was Portuguese police who uh, were tipping, I believe, uh, local reporters off. Um, and then you would get uh, rumours in Britain from British police about how that investigation was going. And as you said, there was an earlier payout to one of the suspects. So I think that has made people much more careful. But this, I think, is coming from Scotland Yard, this latest breakthrough. It's coming from the German police. It is a coordinated international police event, and therefore I think we can uh, assume that they are pretty confident that this suspect, they believe, was in some way somebody who should have been much higher up the list of suspects than the Portuguese police initially laid him at. The governor of the U.S. state of Virginia has ordered a key memorial to the slave-owning Confederacy to be removed from the state capital, Richmond. Ralph Northam said the statue of Robert E. Lee, who commanded Confederate forces during the American Civil War, honoured a system that was based on the buying and selling of human beings. Here's the BBC's Anthony Zerker. The 18-metre-tall monument to General Robert E. Lee has stood in Richmond since 1890. In recent years, such Confederate statues have become the focus of protests from those who say they celebrate a tradition of slavery and racism. In 2017, a right-wing pro-monument demonstration in Charlottesville, Virginia, turned violent, prompting then-candidate Northam to push for removal of Confederate statues across his state. The Democrats' call prompted opposition from some who viewed the statues as part of the South's historical heritage. With the nation's attention focused on racial injustice following George Floyd's death, however, demands for the removal of monuments are being made with new urgency. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. To prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U-traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to to remember from now until one. Johnny Pearson, piano.
song written or composed by Neil Diamond You Don't Bring Me Flowers Johnny Pearson at the piano and his orchestra This is Nostalgia with Ray Codero all the way until 1 a.m. <laughs> 